0: This is Guy Gourten with Supply Chain Radio, here with Christine from Infor. Christine, how are you? I'm doing really well, Guy. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Well, you know, we've talked about having you on the podcast for a while, and we finally captured you. So <laughs> this is very exciting for us to get you on Supply Chain Radio. So first of all, for our audience, brief introduction. Who are you? What are you doing at Infor? Some background on where you came from.
1: Absolutely. I'm the Director of Manufacturing Industry Strategy specifically responsible within the supply chain function within m 4 My background is actually all in the practitioner space. So 12 years at Whirlpool Corporation and in the trenches, maintenance process, quality, product development. And then I moved to the dark side.
0: Uh, so you had a real job before and now you came over here. Well,
1: you know, the dark side and went to supply chain oh, actually boy. and moved to a company called Mead Johnson Nutrition. They make Infamil in planning and sourcing, and then really started down the journey of helping companies do transformations with a company called Berry Global, Berry Plastics, and doing really digital transformation of supply chain and fell in love with it and decided that I I really wanted to have a more active role. And that was how I ended up at Infor about eight months ago. And and now
0: you're here. Well, fantastic. (laughs) Well, Christine, let's talk a little bit about the manufacturing space. So obviously your responsibility is to look at manufacturing and supply chain When you look out today, what are the top three problems that you see manufacturers dealing with today?
1: Well, I think manufacturing is recognizing that they're a bit stuck. ERP hasn't delivered the value that they really thought that it would. SNOP isn't delivering the value that they thought that it would. Continuing to struggle with working capital, continuing to struggle with on-time deliveries to customers, and really just escalating cost, especially given the current climate in terms of global trade.
0: So it's interesting. You mentioned SNOP, you mentioned ERP. Those are solutions, but you also mentioned things like cash and time to market. Those are actual needs. Why do you think that the solutions you mentioned are not up to snuff with the needs you mentioned?
1: I think for me, the biggest part of it is the solutions tried to address just within the four walls of the enterprise, and so much of what happens in supply chain is outside of your four walls. So you don't get full visibility, you're sub-optimizing, you're not making good decisions, or you're trying to make decisions based on phone calls and emails and text messages, and therefore a tool in that dynamic just really doesn't provide the right amount of value. So when you look at
0: manufacturers today and you project out the need to address some of these needs, what do you see or where do you see them heading with regards to their solutions? Not necessarily technology, but how are they addressing this? How are they approaching this to try to do better with on-time deliveries and things like that?
1: I think that manufacturing is finally starting to look at what's been happening in the consumer retail space, the B2C space, and they're taking note. So seeing a lot more talk, a lot more interest about leveraging multi-enterprise business networks. A lot of thought leaders are now, you know, really discussing that, whether it be Gartner or ASCM and, and various others. I think also with that, then applying, artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, really gaining broader insights, being able to respond within that ecosystem is, is finally really starting to take root and manufacturers are, are starting to start that journey. So let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned artificial
0: intelligence, machine learning, right, hot topics, we see that everywhere, we see it here today. Talk to us a little bit about what's your philosophy of what AI, machine learning means for manufacturers.
1: I think it depends. Good answer. But... Uh, you know I'm a 6 sigma black belt. So all all questions our answers start with the depends. I think you have to look at it somewhat functionally within manufacturing. I think AI has a very different connotation or application within the demand management, demand planning function versus how I might use it on the plant floor in the manufacturing floor or how it can be leveraged to make better decisions around supply and supply planning. So I think it's broad. I think from my standpoint, you know, if I was going to give somebody like a like a three-step approach or whatever, I think you know, first you have to look to see is the information even available? Is the data available? And if data's not available, then you have to figure out how to get data. And then the second question would be, will you have data available? But is it good data? Right. right. Because AI doesn't fix, machine learning doesn't fix bad data. Right? You're just going to have really bad insights because the data isn't appropriate. And I think once you've answered those two questions, then you can actually start to to look at, you know, first, you know, describing and then predicting and then finally moving on to prescribing And eventually, you know, Supply Chain Nirvana, which is a self-orchestrating kind of lights out supply chain.
0: So you mentioned data being sort of the first two steps of that. You know, when you think about that, what are some of the ways in which manufacturers can think more about having the right data? having clean data. You also mentioned earlier, which I think is spot on, is a lot of this is outside their four walls. So now they're dependent on other people to do this. How are you seeing manufacturers address this problem with the notion of how do I get better, fresher, cleaner, more usable data than I did before? And oh, by the way, it's outside my four walls.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of approaches that manufacturers can and and are taking. I think, you know, one is first they're trying to make sure that they even have the data within their enterprise because it's multiple systems often within their enterprise. So, you know, maybe creation of a data lake and, and things of that nature. And then I think beyond that, it's really a focus on, okay, I need to connect to my partners. And traditional EDI point-to-point connections just aren't effective for that. They're not scalable. They, they're they not quick enough. They take a, a considerable amount of investment. So I think that that's, that's really that next step. You know, I'm, I'm all for doing pilots with, yeah, we can send some spreadsheets back and forth to see if collaboration is is right for us. But once you really establish that yes, it gives you benefits, then we need to figure out how to do that in a digital format that's really scalable.
0: So when we look at manufacturers and sharing that data and all this, like where do you see it in five years in terms of that data sharing? Where do you see manufacturers sort of taking the leap, right? Getting closer, are they going to be closer to like a retail type atmosphere where we as consumers and now in the manufacturing world are going to be able to dictate more to how manufacturers Sell to us, deal with us, and all this because they have a cleaner view of supply chain, they can do things more agile. Is that where you're seeing it going, or is this something different? I think
1: it, again, it depends you know, it depends upon how that particular supply chain is defining itself. Are they defining themselves on cost? Are they defining themselves on differentiation, some combination? So I think it depends upon the segment that they're going after. I think those businesses that are more premium, that are more differentiation based, the customers will have a lot better view and they will be a lot closer to that supply chain. I think it's perfectly acceptable in a more commoditized type business where cost is really the driver for it to be a little bit more isolated, but that's not to say that the tools between the businesses won't be better because i think that they will even in really low margin or lower margin highly commoditized businesses you know we are seeing a push to really be more connected enterprise to enterprise to be more collaborative to really move up that gartner demand driven value network into that you know i want to be a 3 i may not want to be a 4 or 5 and right. i'll never be amazon but man being a 1 and it isn't working for me anymore right.
0: Right. So you talked a little bit about the sort of commoditization and manufacturing. Do you think we're going to start seeing more, like in retail, but I think we're starting to see it at some level, and I think you've answered it, but from a manufacturing standpoint, are you going to start seeing more of a breakdown of those manufacturers that are basically selling their services, their customization, their personalization, and then manufacturers that are more still commodity cost-based functionality There'll still be some connection between the two, but they're going to look at their supply chains very differently than they are today.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see some movement and trends around supply chain as a service, which I think speaks to that, right? So I don't need to own my supply chain, and it's really different from contract manufacturing. It's, you know, I'm the brand, and I'm the intellectual property, and I understand my consumer, but then I'm completely farming out the execution part of delivering that item to the consumer. And so I, I think it depends, again, on, you know, the industry. Some industries are going to move faster than others. I right. mean, we, we kind of see that just in the basic technology, you know, space. I think you'll see more with maybe some high-end CPG-type things, right? Because they, they already right. are moving at, at kind of that space versus maybe traditional durables or white goods where, very old companies, very traditional kind of organizations and structures, and it may take them a, a little bit longer to get there.
0: So one more question. Let's go back to your past, and you mentioned Whirlpool. Could be looked at as an old traditional white goods manufacturer, but a company like a Whirlpool, what do you see them doing? Are they going to look to do more customization? At the end of the day, I mean, we're putting these products in our homes, right? So they're not just functionality, a functional product but there is a certain sense of, hey, it's a stainless steel Whirlpool. It looks pretty cool, right? As opposed to just a generic GE or something. How do you see sort of that that traditional Whirlpool type business, maybe not just Whirlpool in general, but but sort of that type of business in the manufacturer, where is that going to head in the next five years?
1: You know, I think it has to head in the direction of, you know, under the covers and functionally how things work are probably pretty standard. But visually, the points that a customer is touching and looking at every day has to be somewhat more customizable That's what we as consumers have, have really driven, right? And you can't do that differentiation in a plant at high speed, right? So, you know, that business model, I think, is changing. I think you'll start to see, you know, maybe more customization in store, at a Lowe's, at a Home Depot. We've already seen that in automotive, right? So, you know, there's a basic model that comes off right. the line, and then the dealer can customize that right. to some extent for us. So I, I definitely think you'll see some proliferation there. Yeah, it's funny. I remember you talking about automotive.
0: I remember reading an article about one of the BMW series where they said if they ran the plant every day, every shift for like three months, they would never get the same car twice, right? That's how much customization (laughs) there is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Christine, thank you so much. It's been great. Tell our audience how they can find you, what social media platforms you're on, or any way they can reach out to you. And so that we can keep that conversation going.
1: I would love it. I think the best way to reach out to me is probably on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Christine Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-T. I'm the redhead that uh, has an opinion about supply chain.
0: Perfect. Maybe that should be your your, your handle.
1: (laughs) Maybe it should.
0: (laughs) Well, Christine, thank you so much.
1: Thank you.